Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with the one and only Jonathan Twomley. How are you doing, sir? I'm Well, I, I was ready to throw my computer through the plate glass window in my office today because it literally took 20 minutes for Zoom to connect today. So... Yeah, I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs, waiting for something to happen. So, uh, but other than that, I'm great. Like, great. <laughs> other than technology issues, you're doing wonderful. Right? Yeah. So technology and supply chain issues, right? I mean, I tried to order a new computer the other day. It said arriving August 31st. <laughs> wow. I should have I should have ordered it because if I, it's probably when I go back to order it now, it's going to say, you know, September 10th or something. So it's uh, dumb of me not just go ahead and pull the trigger. That's, that's hilarious. Well, something I thought we should talk about is um, we obviously got a hot CPI reading. I don't know if you saw this morning. We also got today's hot PPI reading, right? 11.3. We obviously are both in the real estate game. Uh, I think the Fed is kind of, the Fed I don't think has any good options. They stayed too low too long. Uh, We have the yield inversion. There's a lot of stuff going on around cost of capital and uh, rents and just a lot of stuff going on in, in the, the U.S. economy, frankly, the world economy. Canada, Bank of Canada came out with a surprise 100 basis point move. Where, where should we start, Jonathan? There's just a lot going on that um, really could impact not only the economy, but but real estate as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think so there's uh, if you're talking about inflation and the Fed having to act and other central banks starting to act as well, uh, there's really two big ways that this can affect real estate and you know they can actually dovetail with each other and really have a a a much bigger impact right Mm -hmm. but one is obviously if interest rates go up that increases your cost of capital when your cost of capital goes up uh it decreases the amount you're willing to pay so people are going to pay less for real estate assets with interest rates going up and that's already started to happen we've already been seeing softness in pricing We've already been seeing people able to retrade. Uh, and I think as we talked uh, last week, you know, the, the, the last two years were such a crazy time in multifamily real estate that even sellers realize and when uh, buyers are saying to them now, hey, interest rates have risen, I've got to retrade you, sellers are not resisting as much as, you, as they normally would because they realize like, you know what? He's right, Buyer, Mr. Buyer is right. And also, hey, prices went up so much over the last two years that even if I take a haircut, I'm still making more money than I underwrote when I bought this deal. So I'm gonna, you know, rather than take the chances of price sliding further, I'm gonna take that deal. So that's one thing, softness and pricing. The other thing is if there is a recession, if we do wind up with a recession, out of this that is more than you know a mild recession then that's going to impact rents right it's going to impact your ability to raise rents because if you know people start losing their jobs uh it's going to have an impact on 
on how much you can charge for rent. And some of the crazy rent increases that we've been seeing over the last couple of years with this whole work from home thing, uh, I think you're going to start seeing some pushback from tenants saying, hey, I'm not paying the 700 bucks additional rent that you want all of a sudden from me. And, you know, and the next guy in line behind him is going to say the same thing. So if those those two things happening at once could really impact, uh, you know, pricing for multifamily, because a lot of people are paying high prices for multifamily on the assumption that they're going to get these enormous rent increases. So it's worth quote unquote overpaying now because the, the idea is you're, you're going to sort of catch up because of rising rents to a, a more comfortable internal cap rate, you know, once you, once you stabilize the property, et cetera. But uh, if the rent, rent increases go away, or even if you start seeing some markets where, uh, you know, landlords are increasing concessions because uh, they're, they're having trouble getting tenants, then, then that'll, you know, further put pressure on prices, downward pressure, and you could wind up with some actual starting to get some price declines. I saw somebody the other day post on Facebook that they saw they've started to see uh, multifamily deals listed with prices. Now, if you're coming from single family home world, that is not so you'd say, well, what's the big deal? They have a list price, right? That all everything doesn't everything have a list price? The answer is no, right? In commercial property, depending on what part of the cycle you're in, you're going to see list prices or not see list prices. Now, you start, you see list prices when the market starts getting soft. Now, now why is that? Uh, or, well, and before I explain that, I'll say, and when the market is hot, what you see is unpriced when it's listed. They'll say, they'll say it's unpriced or they'll say price to be, term, to be determined by market, et cetera. Now, why, why, why is this? Well, in a very hot, it's all about psychological anchoring, right? When you have a price listed on your property, you've, the buyer forms a psychological anchor, right, with, to that price. Now, depending on the part of the market cycle you're in, that anchor could be even could be either an upper bound or a lower bound, right? And what they when the market is hot, what sellers are afraid of is inadvertently setting a low price by saying, hey, it's $5 million for this property, right? They, because what they're thinking is the market, people just might get into a bidding war and they don't want to inadvertently put any upper bound on that pricing by anchoring, you know, by, by telling buyers they could get it for $5 million, right? Because then all the bids are going to come in around $5 million, right? If they, take the, if they leave it unpriced, you might get you know a bunch of people bidding six and you get some crazy guy bidding eight right because they don't know how to underwrite right so that's that's what happens but when the market is softened softening you see the opposite happening where they're trying to anchor you into a higher price so they start putting a listing price on it because they know that the market is falling and they're hoping that if they say five million you're going to think like oh okay it's worth five million Whereas if they left it totally unpriced, you might just underwrite it and be like, hey, I'm only offering four for this, right? They're hoping they're going to get you up to four and a half, 475, because they've anchored you at, at 5 million. So if you start seeing listing prices more frequently on deals, it means that, uh, that the market is softening. 
every once in a while in a hot market, you'll see a listing price on a deal that usually means it's a crappy deal mm. or that or that the seller is unrealistic. And uh, so and and they're not and they have not been able to sell it, right? So they're trying to anchor you into a higher price, like because it's a bad deal. But you don't see very much of that. But when you start, when you if the market really softens, you're going to start seeing almost everything listed with a listing price on it. And that's a signal to underbid the listing price. I mean, if you if you know what you're doing, you see yeah. those listing prices underbid them, right? If you if you don't see a listing price, that means it's a hot market and like everybody's bidding high. So yeah, yeah. yeah. it's pretty. I, I, that is, you know, that psychology really does play in single family as well. Except everything mm-hmm. does have a list price. That that anchoring aspect. It's funny. One mm-hmm. of the things I've told my audience here in the last month or so is we are no longer paying list price, right? The mark market's coming to us. So. Again, treat that as the upper bound uh, if you're looking for a great deal and, and kind of single family and whatnot. The other thing I wanted to talk about here is uh, one of the guys I follow, Ken McElroy. I'm sure you know the name at least. Um, he actually came out with a video, I think it was on Saturday, where he was basically highlighting what you and I have been talking about for six months, that there's a lot of risk in syndications, uh, especially net new deals, right? Deals instigated over the last year. And, and again, it's bad assumptions right? He's talking about, you know, exit cap rates. He's talking about uh, interest rate. He's talking about softer rents and collection and vacancy. And I found it really interesting because again, for me, Ken's in the game, right? He's, he's one of the big guys. He's probably got hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more uh, assets under management, probably billions. It would, wouldn't shock me. And he, you could tell he was kind of, he didn't want to kind of point at the new syndicators, but he's basically saying, guys, there's, there's a lot of bad deals being done today. You know, a lot of people are going to lose some money because everything went right for two years. And now the reversion of the mean is going to cause a lot of pain. And he, he always said scooping equity, scooping equity. Uh, not a lot of people are going to scoop equity. And he said, you know, we're, you know, best case, some of these folks might be locked up for a decade when they were planned to be locked up for a couple of years. So what does he mean by scooping equity? Well, basically saying you go buy a property two years ago, you fix it up, you go back and refi. The whole story is you do a cash out refi, you pay back I your see. investors. Now you own it free and clear, you know, infinite, infinite return, all that mm. stuff. He's like, that's over, right? Uh, lending is tighter. Rates are higher. No longer getting 75% on a cash out. You're going to get 65. And he's like, uh, if that's your game now, change your game because it's it's not going to work and you're going you're gonna to hurt your LPs. Yeah, I mean, and I think, also, frankly, there's a almost everybody who's in the syndication business right now at this point has never seen a bad market, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, syndication has been going on for years, just nobody knew about it. But in, in the last 10 years or so, because of social media and podcasting, et cetera, uh, it, syndication has become much more widely known about and much more widely used and much more widely participated in. Uh, by by everyday investors. And uh, I think most people who, I, I noticed a huge number of new syndicators entering the market about 2016. Now, now those people are veterans, right? They've been doing this for six years. However, none of them have seen a down market, right? Uh, and, yeah. and a lot of them have had enormous success because a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So um, I, I, I think that they're, People may have built up some bad habits, and they, I, I see people continuing to just make the same assumptions that they've been making all along, mm-hmm. which have been, I mean, honestly, like just sort of 
truth-telling on myself. I thought these were bad assumptions in 2016, 2017, 2018, but the market proved me wrong and proved those assumptions right. So a lot of people made a lot of money doing deals that I thought were pretty risky, right? Mm-hmm. However, now I think we're at that point where the, just continuing to do the same thing is going to wind up with people getting hurt. And especially if they came in even more recently and all their experiences really over the last two years, oh. we've had a really unusual market uh, and really, I mean, unusual in every way, unusual in cap rate compression, unusual in terms of rent growth, right? Unusual in terms of the amount of money that was coming into this uh, business because you had, you know, all of the retail and hotel and other investors all flooding into multifamily because it was the only game in town that made any sense during COVID, right? All, all those things, that rising tide, well, we may look at it and say that that was like a record, that was like a storm surge, right? Mm-hmm. And now that that money is going to flood back out to other places, right? Part of it's, as we, you and I have talked about, just going to go into T-bills. The treasury starts raising Interest rates, there's a lot of investors out there who are like, they have, that's what they want to invest in. They want to invest in super safe assets that even if they don't pay that much, they pay something, that's where they want to put their money, right? Yeah. There's a lot of money out there that wants to be in super safe investments like that, like T-bills. And T-bills have not been paying anything for years. So they've had to go and find other things to look at. Multifamily has been a pretty good one to invest in because it is pretty safe, right? But if you can go for, true safety rather than uh, you know pretty safe right then a lot of money is going to flood back in, in that direction uh, yeah, so, I th- yeah I think I think there's a couple of things I want my audience to hear in, in we'll talk about where people can go and get a sample of the deals that you evaluate because again I I bring you to the channel as conservative and yeah you know self-reflection is great right you saw risky assumptions um, you took your chips off the table which I still argue was the right decision at the time. It, the market went against you, right? Who, who could have seen this? And, and, you know, the people that got in, you know, did okay. I think there's two things that are going to prove true and I want to get them recorded so I can call them back. The operators who started in 2016 got a couple of deals done, were successful. Uh, social media kind of ramped up at the same time. It has allowed them to be, build large operations that frankly, now they have to feed. Uh, now they were almost deal jockeys and, they have, they have to keep the overhead fed. So they, they have increasingly done bad deals and they're going to, they're going to lose people lots of money on lots of deals. Then there's the operators who got started kind of when I sold my apartments, right? I sold a couple of apartments in 19, uh, which I argue would have been the right time X pandemic uh, for the same reasons, right? Cap rates got below the lower bound. And I'm like, time to go, right? This is a problem. Somebody else take it. Uh, if you've been in the last two years, you probably got lucky on your first deal. And now you're trying to ramp up. I see people posting deals today with bad interest rates, assumptions, bad, bad rent assumptions, bad occupancy assumptions, bad. I mean, it's just collect. Everything is going to regress to the mean and everything will be negative in multifamily. And these people don't have the reserves. They're going to, they're not only going to hurt people, but they will be washed out. Their, their reputations will turn to mud. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, I, w- I was on um, a, a panel a couple, two, three weeks ago in Charlotte mm-hmm. uh, at the Multifamily Investor Nation conference, and and so I've been doing with them uh, this market snapshot, like current state of the market panel for for three, four years now. And 
it's always been online. It's, we had an in-person conference, which was really fun. Uh, but I, you know, sat in the, with the usual panel that I sit with, and um, you know, the consensus there was that a lot of the deals that happened in the last couple of years are gonna are gonna suffer some pain because what's gonna happen, especially if now if they went into those deals in the first place the way I would, with wanting to get long-term debt fixed rate as long as you possibly could, you don't have any refinance risk. Right. And uh, and you're planning a long term hold. Anybody who went in with that assumption was is probably going to be OK. They'll write it out. Right. Mm -hmm. As long as their underwriting wasn't mm -hmm. bad in the first place. The people who are going to get really hammered are the ones who, uh, you know, their whole deal was premised on, uh, you know, a rehab, raise, raising rents and then refinancing quickly returning capital or, you know, selling the deal or whatever very, very quickly. And especially if they had a variable rate debt, right? Mm -hmm. And and so people like that who made those, those kinds of deals in the last two years may find themselves unable to execute that plan. They may get the rent increases if they, you know, if they've executed on their rehab quickly, they may be able to lock in those, those higher rents. Uh, but the second half of the equation, getting that refi at a at a, at a rate of interest that uh, that makes sense for them, that's going to be the part that may be trickier to pull off, right? And so, uh, really, depending on how high interest rates rise, they may not have enough delta in there because you know they go in at seventy five percent leverage, right? They can only refi at seventy percent leverage. So that's already five percent that you've got to cover, uh, and with rising interest rates, that just increases that that amount that you're going to hit that DSCR. Right, so debt service coverage ratio, so it it may be hard for some of those people to bridge that gap if they didn't get that NOI, that net operating income, you know, juiced enough with the rent increases that they were planning. Right, so, and but I see people not only are 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 some syndications at risk that happened in the last couple of years because you know they went in at such low cap rates. You know, they're also they're also planning. You know, you and I have talked about this before. Reversion to the mean, right? people went in at record low cap rates and then all, and then they claimed to be conservative underwriters because all they did was just add 10 basis points a year for their, for every year projected hold and came up with a reversion cap rate. Right. And that's, that's the conservative, conservative underwriting. Right. But it only, it only, that's only conservative when the market's kind of at its midpoint, mm -hmm. right. Not when you've got record, record low cap rates that are likely to revert to the mean. Mm -hmm. I, so if they haven't done some kind of, an, you know, they may, I, I know I have a tendency to kind of like drift all over the place. I'm sorry about this, but there is a point here. If, if they have, you know, if they've done internal underwriting, which says, you know, we know that this deal can survive at X higher cap rate or whatever, but, you know, we can't predict the future. So therefore we're just going to use that rule because we have no idea that's that's okay, right? Because th if they've they've done that internal work that says this deal, even if cap rates blow up, this deal is going to be okay. But we're telling our investors, well, here's what we think is happening because we can't predict the world. The better syndicators actually show that math, mm. right? So, like the deal I'm working on right now with Reed Goosens, Reed is really great about that kind of stuff, and he actually has a chart in the deal that says like this is exactly what's going to happen if cap rates go up. You know, interest rates go up. Actually, on this deal, we have fixed rate debt, so interest rates don't matter as much to us. But like, if cap rates rise, you know, 
this is what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it actually shows like they can rise pretty substantially and, you know, obviously it impacts the returns, but it, but it shows that like the deal will still survive, right? Mm -hmm. So if you've done that work and you say, look, no crystal ball. So I'm just going to use, the, I'm going to, I'm going to project at the rule. That's fine. But I think a lot of people don't actually do that work. I think a lot of people just like, they're like 10 basis points a year. That's, and that's, that's the extent of it. That's, the, that's the whole, that's all their analysis. Right. And then they're making their projections based on that. Uh, a lot of those deals are going to, are going to yeah. blow up in people's, people's faces. You know? Well, do me a favor. I want to, I want people to realize that uh, they need to take a look at what, what I think good conservative underwriting is. I think you have a deal you're working on now. If, if they are accredited, uh, where could they go at least to get a sample of what a conservative and folks take this? And if you're looking at other deals, compare them. And I think you will see, at least I have, that they're night and day different. Uh, so where would they go to get something like yeah, that? Yeah. So if you are interested in joining my investor list, just Google Two Bridges Asset Management LLC and uh, you will find our investor page and you can sign up there. You, you have to be accredited. Mm -hmm. uh, and because I only deal with accredited investors, uh, you know, this, this particular deal I'm working on is in my old stomping grounds in South Carolina, using our, the, the management company that I used to use that I introduced uh, Reed to. Um, it's, I'm really excited about being back in that market because I really like it. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going in at pretty low leverage, you know, 65% fixed rate. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can see how it, the deal is set up with the sensitivity analysis that's included in the deck that shows like, hey, occupancy goes down and cap rates go up and there's just a whole grid. You can see how that's going to affect things. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's that's what I think syndicators really should do. And, and the more sophisticated ones are doing that, you know, the, the folks that I work with include those kinds of sensitivity analyses in there, you know. When I sponsor my own deals, I'll be doing that as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, once I get back into that. So, yeah. Uh, but right now, I've got sort of enough enough people asking me to help them mm -hmm. that I tend to I've sort of just gotten focused on that. Yeah. Um, so, folks, I, I would get this if you could, uh, assuming you're accredited, I would get it so you can see what a good syndicators are doing, someone I trust and have experience with. Because uh, again, a lot of the syndicators out here are really, in my opinion, are social media influencers and money raisers. They're not true operators and executioners. They've only known the greatest of great markets and they're going to hurt you. Uh, don't believe me. Look at it. Look at the comparison. Look at a, look at a conservative underwriting with multiple variable options and then look at what they're putting out. I, most of these other ones I've seen are not 65% leverage. They're not fixed rate debt. They're very short term. They have crazy assumptions. As an operator, I know what expenses and, and rent increases are. And some of these are you know, borderline criminal, uh, in my opinion, they're so bad, but, uh, again, compare them. Uh, so one more time, Jonathan, where would they get it? Uh, yeah, like I said, just Google two bridges asset management LLC, and you'll find on our website, there's the investor, you know, tab, which you can click on and fill out your information. You have to be accredited, but, uh, if you are, you know, I can, I'll add you to the list and you can start seeing these deals. Awesome. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you.